Okay, welcome to another episode of the Amateurs of Bryson Jaren. Real stories, real situations, real talk. Now, our guest today, Daniel Poneman, is a Chicago legend in our eyes for sure. With one of the most unique stories in the industry, he's helped so many players that Jaren and I grew up watching and looking up to, but also players that we've played with and against, get traction when it comes to recruiting, uh, college scholarships, the whole nine. Uh, DP's done a lot of great things in his career already. As a high school student, he's, he managed to help uh, athletes get recruited by building his own recruiting service. Uh, organizing all-star games and showcases. He's uh, also produced a film with Dwayne Wade and Chance the Rapper and now represents athletes as an agent. Uh, DP, you haven't taken the cookie-cutter route or traditional route by any means to do any of this. So I'm super excited to have you on for my personal reasons. I know Jaren as well, and, and we also look forward to sharing your story with our, with our listeners. But uh, thank you for coming on, man. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm really uh, happy to be here and excited. That was a really dope intro video i like that with the, with the graphics and everything you guys I've, I've been on a lot of podcasts but this one's exciting because i've watched both you guys grow up and and been around you guys for a long time so it's cool to see it come full circle you guys get to have me on for an interview it's pretty cool yeah, you're usually the one doing the interviewing man so <laughs> it's kind of cool to, to switch switch uh places with you man <laughs> yeah no this is this is awesome it, it's 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 funny, Jaron. I've known you for a long time, but I feel like when you were younger, you were always kind of quiet. Yeah. And for you to be hosting a podcast, <laughs> but this is, this is pretty cool. Yeah, that, was, that was kind of the point of us doing this. Neither one of us are really, I guess, like outgoing when it comes to just like talking and things like that. We grew up kind of quiet, but we want to step out of our comfort zone. So opportunity to do that. So um, that's that's basically how, the, how this came about. Cool. How many episodes yeah. have you done? What is this like? Eighteen, just 18. under twenty. Yep, eighteen. Yeah, that's dope. I feel like a lot of people talk about, you know, oh, when I when I finish my playing career, I want to get into media. I want to do this. You guys just both finish playing, just jump right into it. That's great. Yep, yep, yeah. So, um, you know, before we get into the actual episode, we do have a game on our show called the One Minute Warm Up. It's an opportunity for us to help the listeners get to know you. We have ten to eleven questions. Um, you have a minute to answer the questions. One skip. And uh, yeah, we can jump right into it. All right, let's go. So I have to answer these questions in a minute. Okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Got one skip. All right, on the first question, Jaren. All right, uh, what is your favorite sports movie? Uh, well, Shot in the Dark. Okay, uh, how would you describe yourself in one word? Um, curious. Best sporting event that you've ever attended? Oh boy, um, Duke, Wisconsin. Uh, championship game uh, when Frank Kaminsky and Jaleel Okafor were playing against each other. That's tough. That's tough. Uh, who has had the greatest impact on your life? Uh, my parents. Which sport do you watch the least? Um, I only really watch basketball and football. I don't watch anything else. Same here. Uh, what is one thing that you enjoy outside of sports? Reading. Favorite high school basketball player of all time? Derek Pro. Oh, easy. Okay. Jeremy, Jeremy Richmond. Jeremy Richmond. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> what is one thing that you can't live without? Uh, my my girlfriend, my partner Amelia. Love it. Uh, favorite music artist of all time? Um, mm, mm, uh, probably 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 I'm I'm going with Spenzo. Spenzo, okay. And the last one was uh, favorite NBA player growing up? Sean Kemp. Sean Kemp, that's tough. That's tough. But I'm uh that was that was that was crazy that you brought up. You know, Sean and Dart. We'll, we'll get into that a little later. But also yeah. Jeremy Richmond. Yeah. You know, before you know the swag, the swag air days. You were talking to some of our heroes, you know, Jeremy Richmond, um, of course, Anthony Davis, the guys that we we looked up to. So we'll definitely get into that. Cool. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I could talk about Jeremy Richmond all day. 
<laughs> yeah, legend, man. Chicago legend for sure. So, so where where did your love, you know, for basketball actually originate from? Well, I mean, my dad played college ball. So basketball for me was something that was like in my blood from, from the start. Um, I grew up an Iowa Hawkeye fan. Mm-hmm. My, my dad played college. He played D2 at Brandeis in Boston. So mm-hmm. I, I wasn't one of those kids who got started playing really early. My dad wasn't like a basketball dad. He didn't push me into the game early. I really didn't start playing until fourth grade, mm-hmm. which, which almost like I was almost, as I got older, almost like resentful. Like, man, dad, why didn't you get me started in kindergarten? I would have been better, you know? Right, right. But I was, I was kind of a natural at it because it was, you know, I had athletic genes. But um, my, my first real competitive basketball experience was playing small fry. Did you guys play small fry? Yeah, yeah we did. Yeah, we played for Miss Foster. Yeah, you played for Miss Foster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favorite people in the world. I played for <laughs> small fry. That was really my first time actually getting into the city and playing in different tournaments and getting really exposed to the, kind of the culture side, side of things. And then, you know, the rest is history. Man. I didn't, I did not know you played uh, small fry. Who did you, what team did you play with? Evanston. It was Evanston small fry. So um, I don't know if by the time you guys played, if it was still around, but um, Chris Colvin's dad, Ike, was one of our coaches. Chris Colvin, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we had a few. Chris was too tall to play. We had a few good players on our team. We went to the, the tournament in Florida. Mm-hmm. I remember we played against, like, the Puerto Rican teams down there. Really yeah. good. Right, um, right. I remember when I was playing small fry, Ahmad Starks was the best player in any of the tournaments. He played for and one small fry. He was, like, the man in the small fry circuit. Yes. Another Chicago great. For sure. Uh, we went, we went, we moved up for varsity our last year, rookie, and we got to see Tyler Eulis play. Clearly the best player out there, of course. And then we, the following year for our varsity year, we actually made it to the championship, played Bukabla, which is like the best, you know, Puerto Rican team. So that was a, a great experience. Yeah. Uh, I can't even imagine watching Tyler Eulis could probably play small fry till. <laughs> you could still play small fry. Yeah. But he must have been a legend in small fry. He was sure. so good. For sure. Yeah. It's funny how small fry in Chicago is is a big thing. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's a, it's a big it's big in our basketball culture growing up, especially. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's funny. I remember like, yeah, it's such a it's like a yeah, a bizarre thing, like how you have to measure in, you have to be under a certain height. You know, and like, I remember like Kids, you know, you measure in like this to try. <laughs> and the only other place I've seen that. So, you know, as as an Asian, I work in um, in Korea mm. and in the Philippines sometimes, and they have certain leagues over there that have height limits. So the same thing happens. I had a, a client that two years ago, um, the Korean, there's like a height limit for the imports, the American players in Korea. So one of the Korean coaches said, oh, I want to come watch your player work out, yada, yada. But really, he just wanted to come to measure him to see if he was going to be short enough. So he was, <laughs> was like small fire all over again. He had him like standing up against the wall like this. Trying to get him. Right. He was a power forward. He was trying to get him to measure him at like 6'3". <laughs> That's crazy. I, I didn't know that there were leagues like the pro leagues where you, you had to be a certain height or under a certain height. But um, as you mentioned, you, you're now an agent. You also produced a film, managed artists. But let's start from the beginning. In high school, again, you know, you started Swag Air. And Jan and I talk about this all the time. We kind of alluded to it earlier, but uh, before Baller's Life, there were two media outlets that we wanted to be a part of or wanted to have our name on. One was a Chicago Hoops article, and the other was an interview for Swag Air. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it is crazy that we're, we're doing this now, um, but could you could you tell our listeners a bit about what uh, Swag Air was and how that even came about? Yeah, so, you know, I went to Evanston High School, you know, Northside, um, grew up playing ball, grew up playing with a lot of good players, again, guys like Chris Colvin, um, Jeremy Richmond. 
you know, Alex Dragovich, Matt Vogrich, Jack Cooley, the, the guys in the North suburbs when I was growing up were really talented. It was kind of the early days of, of the basketball blogs. It's pre-social media. So when I was a freshman in high school, I started a, a website. At the time, it was called IllinoisHSBasketball.com, where I would write about players, rank players, and really utilize. I was lucky that I was kind of early in the social media era. I was able to utilize social media to get in contact with players, to gather information. Uh, to you know, I was I started out calling guys home phones. You know, getting mm. their home phone number on Facebook, trying to get interviews for my website. And then sometime, you know, along the way when I was in high school, maybe like my sophomore, junior year, YouTube came out. Like it was like a new thing. No one was really on YouTube. So I was really one of the first people that was that was able to make that transition from being a writer to putting my interviews and highlight videos on YouTube. So early on, I was, I was you know, going to AU tournaments around the country. I was able to get interviews with like Austin Rivers, Harrison Barnes, Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving, you know, when they were in high school. And, you know, it, it was great for my personal branding, too, because if you were at that time to look up on YouTube, Kyrie Irving, first yeah, exactly. <laughs> interviewing him. Right, so right. To build a personal brand for myself by kind of leveraging the celebrity of these youth basketball stars. And now it's a huge industry. Right now, if you look up, you know, Josh Green or Paige Cunningham, they have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of videos. At the time, I was the only one really doing it. And then right. with Ball is Life and, and Hoop Mixtape and, you know, like overtime, that that wasn't even a thing. That's the biggest exactly. thing exactly. back then. It was me with my little, I had like a little pocket camera, a little 720p pocket camera that I did everything on. I was so low tech that when I'd be interviewing one player on the team, I'd have to get one of his teammates to hold the camera. <laughs> I didn't even have a camera. Man. That's crazy. I actually yeah. thought about that today because we were, um, today and yesterday, we were watching a few of the interviews and we, I was wondering like if you had a cameraman, if you had a team, or I guess in high school, you know, that, that, probably you know wasn't wasn't really feasible no, um it's funny i was watching back an old interview recently of mike shaw yeah in the beginning of the interview i was like shout out to the cameraman anthony davis <laughs> i had anthony <laughs> hold the camera for mike's interview mike hold the camera for anthony's interview um i it's funny though like it was cool because i had this little camera that fit in my pocket but my mom used to always get on me like you got to get a better camera. You got like, let me buy it for you. Let me buy you a microphone. I'm like, mom, like I know what I'm doing. Like I got uh, this. <laughs> I look back at my old footage. I'm like, man, I wish I had a, <laughs> I had a better camera. Exactly. But I mean, you were definitely ahead of your time. Like you said before, sure. ball is life. Who mixtape, man. I was definitely watching swag air before games. You know, one of my favorite was uh Derek Randolph, man. I used yes, to watch that yes. all the time, bro. Yes. <laughs> all the time. Man, so many, so many <laughs> legends that like we know about in our city that, that the world never really got to see. Like I still talked to Derek and he had a couple stints in college and never really broke through, but man, he was cold in high school. He was different. Different for man. sure. And, and you were in high school doing all of this. Um, but I, I was, I was wondering like, what was your North star during this time? Um, I guess, I guess like, what did you see as your end goal? Well, for me, it, 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 I didn't really have an end goal. You know, I was, again, I was in high school. I was just doing it cause it was fun. I enjoyed yeah. it. And, um, I think a lot of times in life you succeed at the things that you're maybe not doing it because of an angle. You're doing it because you enjoy the journey. You enjoy the process. You enjoy the act of it. If you're just right. doing something as a means to an end. It's going to feel like work, yeah. but I was able to make a career out of it. But like, and at the time I wasn't thinking like, oh, I'm going to be a big time age and I'm going to be, you know, uh, on TV. I mean, no, for me, it was just like, I love, I loved high school basketball. It was my favorite thing. And I was able to be relevant in that space by working at it. Um, not as a player, but um, on the media side. So my North Star was 
And the other cool thing was about what I was doing was that I was getting like immediate feedback. Like I think mm -hmm. a lot of times you go to college, you're doing homework, you're, you know, and it's like this, 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 there's a goal down the road that you want to reach. Sure. You're mm -hmm. not getting the job for, you know, you go to medical school, it's 10 years where you're going to doctor for you. Get to right, for sure. But for me, I was able to create a video, put it out that night. And the next mm -hmm. morning I'm getting comments, I'm getting, you know, messages, I'm getting likes and you're getting that immediate feedback. So I love going to a game and I'll go right home, edit it, throw it up. And, 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 and by, you know, by, by the next morning, I was getting all that feedback. I would, I would stay up all night. I'd upload it to YouTube and, and Facebook and I would tag everyone on, on Facebook. <laughs> so that by the time you wake up, they'd already have it on their page. And I love that immediate feedback I got from it. And I love being able to blow up a player too. Like you see something, you see a player that, you know, people don't know about, you make that highlight video and then watch their life change the next morning when that video goes out. And all the colleges start hitting them up and it's like you can watch in real time someone's life change like that was a really cool feeling so i guess that was my first star was just like how cool it was that i got to be a part of that process in real time for sure that's that's actually a perfect segue because i want to talk about you know anthony davis you've definitely helped hundreds literally hundreds of kids receive college scholarships um but the most notable is probably anthony davis and everybody knows his story you know like the crazy growth spurt towards the end of his high school career but a lot of people may not know that you played a huge role in helping him to get more traction. Um, but let's take it back a little bit. Like you knew him before the growth spurt, so like six two guard. What did Anthony Davis's game look like at that point? Well, so it's funny. The first time I saw Anthony was he was in eighth grade. I was a sophomore, and I was running a. I was planning to run my first uh, showcase event. It was an eighth grade all star game. Coach Terry had at Foreman told me I could use his gym. Mm. If I ran an eighth grade All Star game, so he was smart on Terry's part because I was right. one of all the work to get all the eighth graders. He could recruit to his school. Exactly, exactly. So it, was, it was cool. So I remember I went out recruiting for that event, and I had commitments from guys like Ryan Boatwright, who was already committed yeah. to USC. Jacob Williams, who was going to St. Pat. So it was like some good players. But there was a Chicago Select AAU team that had Anthony Davis, Wayne Blackshear, Tyrone Stagger, Taiwan Pickney, Alphonse Matthews. It had all these. These players and Anthony wasn't even a starter. He was the sixth man. He was like a six-two shooter, and but he was also like he he played versatile defender. You know, he could rebound, he could shoot, but like he wasn't really the man. He was kind of like this skinny kid. But I could see at the time that he kind of had something. So I invited him to play in my all-star game, uh, even though he wasn't a starter. I remember he couldn't come to the game. He had like eighth grade graduation that day or something. But like he was. But yeah, I mean, he was. I could tell he was going to be good. I thought he reminded me of a young Evan Turner because you could tell he was. Mm -hmm. I thought he was going to maybe be six five, six six. Right. I thought he could be a good D one, maybe like wing or guard. Mm -hmm. Next time I saw him though was three years later, and he was six eight at that point, and the rest is history. Definitely, man, that's crazy. <laughs> so, so when he, when he did have the growth spurt, of course, like a six eight, six nine kid is going to get recruited. Could you even imagine him to go on and win a national championship at Kentucky, play for the Lakers, win a championship there, first round draft pick. Was that even imaginable at that point? Yeah, honestly, when I saw him that first day after he hit his growth spurt, um, at the time his only offer was Cleveland State. But I could tell within 10 minutes of watching him, like I didn't know he was going to be a Hall of Famer, but I knew he had, was unlike anything I'd seen before. You know, sometimes I think people overthink talent evaluation. Like it's not rocket science. There's real rocket scientists out there that have to figure out how to send <laughs> to, to the moon. 
We're going to throw the ball and put a ball in a, in a hoop. It's for not sure, for sure. so watching him, and I'm like, okay, I've never seen anything like this. He was blocking shots. He would catch the block, lead the break, dunk, come back, block a shot, do the same thing. Okay, I've never seen anything like this. So I knew at that point he was the best player in the state, probably one of the best players in the country. And then you know, he gets, you know, six, eight, six, nine, six, ten, and just keeps getting better along the way. I remember that second day I saw him after he hit his growth spurt, he went up against Nana Igwu, and Nana was like ranked 60th in the nation, committed to Illinois. And Anthony kicked his ass. I was like, all right, my language. I'm not supposed to curse on this pod. No, <laughs> and at that point, I was like, all right, well, if he just dominated the 60th ranked player in the country, yeah. where, where, where is he going to fall? And yeah. uh, I remember having a lot of debates that year. Some people thought Andre Drummond was the best player in the country. Other people thought, thought Austin Rivers, but I stayed on the Anthony. And, and I guess I proved to be right in the end of the day. Man, that's 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 crazy. Um, what advice would you give to you know the high school athletes out there on um you know the, to to get to be recruited? What 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 advice do you have for them to put themselves in the best situation to be recruited? Um, to be honest, like my advice is if you're good enough, they'll find you. Um, you look at like I shoot, I just watched the Rockets game last night. Um, I was just you know, over at the hotel with one of my clients at, on the on the Rockets, and they have a guy in training camp with him named Broderick Thomas. I don't know this guy; I never met him, but I followed his story. Went to Bolingbrook High School, went to a D two, mm. um, grew a little bit at the D two, became a really good player. Now he's in training camp with the with the Rockets out of a D two. So it's like my point is like I think a lot of times people try so hard to get recruited or over recruited or get exposure. You got to be ranked as a freshman, and I just listed that team that Anthony played for. No, no offense to these guys because I keep in touch with a lot of them to this day, but Taiwan Pickney, Alphonse Matthews, Tyrone Staggers, those were the those guys were the, the man in eighth grade freshman year. They were the top ranked guys and no one was talking about Anthony. Well, those guys, you know, started out hot, but but Anthony went to a school where no one was even watching their games and he ended up being number one pick in the draft. So my advice to getting recruited is get better, improve, have good grades, put yourself in a position that's gonna want schools to recruit you. If you're if you have good grades, if you're very responsive in communication, if your coach says positive things, that's one thing. I, I One of the biggest red flags when I recruit a player for my agency is ask them, okay, if you had a rough year or something, ask them what went wrong. If they blame the coach, I'm out. Because a lot of times you see those guys where it's always the coach's fault. It's never their own fault. Okay. Even if the coach don't like you or, 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 or it's difficult to play for this and that, that's on you to figure out how to work around that. How, that's okay. how in your life how are you working around that coach not being on the same page as you so you can mm. see what you need because if you let that coach defeat you that's on you you're mm. you're playing a victim and you're and you're not taking accountability you're not having a growth mindset so exactly. i would say and that's what people don't get is college coaches are going to ask your coach in, about you and if that coach doesn't say good things they're not going to want to coach you either no one's going to talk to a coach and have a player say oh he's uncoachable and they're going to offer mm. you a scholarship so i would say have good grades have a good reputation with your coach, be responsive in communication, um, and just work on your game. Be a good team player. Have good body language on the court, and, and, and they'll find you. You don't need to pay for the expensive scouting services and camps. Like, mm. you're all right, if, you got, if you've got it, you got it. Mm. And that's, that's, that's actually great advice, man. Um, I know that for you, you know, when it came to college, you had the opportunity to join Northwestern's uh, staff as one of the team managers. Um, obviously, you chose not to go to college, and, I mean, look who you are today. Uh, what what factors went into that decision, and, and what did you learn from betting on yourself? 
I lost you for a second. You got me? Yeah, 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 yeah. I heard the question. You said, sorry, my my, my, my uh, computer froze up. You said, what factors went into me making the decision to not go to Northwestern? Yeah, and and, and, and what did you learn from uh, betting on yourself? Yeah, so, you know, it's funny. I get that a lot where people be like, all right, well, you didn't go to college, so how are you going to tell kids that they need to go to college or help guys? But why, why shouldn't everyone? I had some. I had a young person that I mentor call me recently is like, you know, Dan, I don't want to go to college just like you. I just want to do X, Y, and Z. I was in a unique situation. I had a whole business. I had revenue stream. I had a platform. Like I was in a unique situation. I was able to do that. I also, to be honest, I had the, the luxury of a safety net. I had a family that supported me where if I, got, I fell on my ass, I could go back and live at home. You know, I, I did have that structure where if, if I went out and I messed up, all right, I could just try again next year and go, go to college next year. Right. You know, I was, I was in a different situation than a lot of people. Um, but for me, it was a matter of, you know, I was, I was a good friend with the coach at Northwestern, Tavares Hardy. And he basically said, Dan, you know, again, he, he was a smart, he was smart. He said, Dan, I want you to be a manager on our staff. You know, obviously it was a great opportunity for me, but it was great for him too. Cause I was going to probably bring a lot of players with me too, you know, right, right. but what a good a relationship, but it kind of honestly occurred to me that, all right, if I'm on staff as a manager at a school, I'm not going to be able to continue to run a recruiting site. Cause there's going to be all types of NCAA yeah. red tape around that. So I really was faced with the decision cash out, basically say, all right, I did this website, I did this thing and it got me to Northwestern. Cool. I'm going to cash out and do that. Or keep rolling with it. I decided to keep rolling with it because, again, it was like I'll, I'll go to Northwestern, I'll get two hundred thousand in student loans, or I could have no loans, give it a shot, and just see if I can make it on my own. And if I fail, all right, cool. Let, let me let's go to, let's go to college now. So I gave it a shot. And the thing is, you know, my story. You can look at it as you know, popular high school basketball website doesn't go to college, NBA agent, cool story, right? Right. There's a lot of struggle along that way i'm 17 18 19 20 years old and it's a big difference from being a kind of a child star where it's like oh he's popping for being in high school oh right. i make good money for being in high school too i'm on my own i got an apartment I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to be an adult i didn't have you know, when you're most 19 20 year, year old kids are learning how to be an adult in college with other college students where you're all each other you're, you're growing up together. I was alone trying to figure it out. And uh, it was difficult at times. And I, I fell on my ass and failed a lot. And there were times along the way that I questioned the decision, thought about applying to school. I, you know, there were probably three or four different instances between age 17 and 21 where I pulled up applications. I was ready to apply to go to school and give up. But every single time there was something that kind of fell in my lap that got me to keep mm. pushing. Almost like the universe saying, like, all right, don't don't give up now. And now I'm grateful for that period because I got a lot of failing out of the way before mm -hmm. I even when other guys were graduating college, entering the real world, I had already been hit in the face a lot. Yeah. yeah. I was like, all right, I kind of got the hang of this thing now. Right. <laughs> sure. Actually, man. That's yeah. that's that's a crazy story. Yeah, that's that's definitely a crazy story. But uh, DP, you know, you've worn a lot of you know different hats within the industry. You know, one of those being a film producer. Can you explain to the listeners what Shot in the Dark you know is about, and how did you make that come to life? Yeah, so 
again, I mentioned kind of some of those times where I was down and out and something kind of fell out of the sky to, to keep me going. And, and shot in the dark was one of those things. I was 20, maybe 20, 21 years old. Um, I had, uh, you know, moved out of the house, kind of fell on my face, moved back with my parents in Evanston, trying to figure out my next move. You know, Swag Air had, wasn't rolling as much as it was at a certain point. I kind of got burnt out and lost the steam. And I was kind of trying to figure out my next move. Um, I had two friends who were filmmakers from New York who went to Evanston High School with me who reached out. And, and this was at a time in about 2011, 2012, when Chicago was in the news for all the wrong reasons. This was mm -hmm. like Chief Keith was blowing up and it was all about, you know, gangs, murder, yeah. crime rate, you know, murder rates the highest it's ever been, murder capital. You know, that was all people talked about. That was the headlines. Mm -hmm. And um, they wanted to tell a story you know, these filmmakers reached out to me about telling a story about the human side of that instead of just putting a murder rate, the numbers out there. All right, mm -hmm. let's tell an honest story of someone who's living inside of that. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, like initially, when they reached out, they asked about Jabari Parker. Mm -hmm. And I basically said, Hey, I don't think this is the right story to tell because Jabari mm -hmm. isn't like that's if you want to tell an honest, true story, that's not Jabari because Jabari is kind of not immune from that, but like. His life, he's the number one player in the country. I <laughs> played in the league. Played in the league. Yeah. Like, that's not the, the the every person Chicago story. So we ended exactly. up with Taekwon Greer at Or. Yep. And Taekwon was, you know, not as highly rated of a player as Jabari, but he was six six D one prospect, talented kid. But like, For sure, he had everything that could go wrong, and his life was going wrong. His house had just burned down. Um, his mother had just had some health issues. She had to move in with a friend's family. Like everything was going wrong, but he still had this positive outlook on life. And I thought, all right, this is this is our guy. So initially, we we were gonna just do a ten minute like mini doc. We we're just gonna film for like a couple weeks. The movie came out seven years later. <laughs> later, um, but but yeah, it was just like for, and for me personally in my journey, it gave me like a, a purpose. Like when I was fifteen years old. When I'm making highlight videos, I love that. I wanted to, I wanted to go into the gym and make highlight videos, make do interviews. When I'm 20, 21 years old, it wasn't as cool for me to go interview 15, 16 year old kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it became a job. It wasn't something that like excited me. Mm. But when I realized that my city was getting misrepresented and I had an opportunity to to tell a true story for the world to see what what was really happening, I was like, all right, this is this is cool. This is special. Like, and I, he gave me a newfound purpose. So every day we would wake up, drive from Evanston to Orr High School on the West Side, turn on the cameras and just start rolling. We mm -hmm. didn't really know what the film was going to be, mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we filmed from Taekwon and then sophomore year through senior year uh, through college. And then um, the movie ended up coming out on Fox in 2018. Yeah. Yeah, and I got a chance to see it. It, it definitely, you, you all definitely did a great job of, like you said, depicting like a human story to like those statistics and everything. For sure. And, uh, yeah, I, I didn't even know that some of that stuff happened like when I was watching it. Of course, I didn't know that you all were filming. I didn't know that he had gotten shot. And yeah. then they went on to win, a you know, play, play downstate and things like that. Yeah. So it was definitely a, a great story. Yeah, you know? it, it's funny when I was filming it, people knew me as like the YouTube guy. They saw me with Or all the time, and they're like, "What? Do you, like, what is he doing? Like, why are you filming it? I've never seen this on YouTube. Like, what are you doing? You know?" And I, I, you tell people like, "Oh, I'm making a movie," but they don't like, "All right, like a YouTube movie, like they, no yeah. movie." You know, like, they, they people didn't get it until it dropped, and then 
you know, sometimes, again, I talked about earlier with my highlight videos, I was getting that immediate gratification, that immediate feedback. Well, this was the most delayed feedback. Right, delayed right, feedback. right. No, didn't see the light of day for seven years from the first day of filming, but when it came out, it, it was all worth it. Man, and we, I mean, Morgan Park, we played a, a, a huge, you know, part in that too. The, you know, we end up, <laughs> I don't want to really speak on it, but we end up beating, you know, or and then uh, winning state that year. But uh, we end up, you know, right, seeing, you're, you're in the movie. <laughs> right, right, <Yeah>. right. <laughs> but yeah, so so let's let's transition into, you know, Swag Air uh, and the showcases you put on, you know, for Chicago, uh, for the unsigned, you know, high school basketball players. What was the inspiration behind that? Yeah, so I'll tell you. So, you know, for me, when I was younger, the first showcase I ran for seniors was my senior year of high school. And honestly, to be honest, like the initial impetus for it was making money. I was like, all right, I'm a senior in high school. I got this platform. I'm going out on my own soon. I got to turn this into some revenue. All right, there's a lot of unsigned seniors that have talent. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of college coaches who I know. All right, so let me charge. Let me you know run this camp. I'm gonna charge money for the players, charge money for the coaches, and coach college coaches can recruit unsigned seniors. So that first year I did it at Joy of the Game up in Deerfield, which is yeah. now doesn't exist anymore. But um, first year the event was very successful as far as like matching players with scholarships. But I lost money because what I found was a lot of the best players who I wanted to have in the event didn't have the seventy five dollars to play. Mm. Um, and I remember it's it, it's kind of like a turning point for me was like I, I had a friend named Blotto who was a, a volunteer assistant at Dunbar and he had like five kids He's like none of them have money Dan so I was like all right just like give me a hundred bucks for all of them and they can all come play so coach Blotto paid me and two of them got scholarships mm. it kind of occurred to me like all right how many kids are missing out on the opportunity to yep. go to college because they don't have the fifty dollars for an event yep. so I had the idea to do it as a nonprofit event, raise, raise money from donations, raise money from sponsors, let the, all the best unsigned seniors in the city play for free, match them up with college coaches, whether it's D2s, D3s, NAIs, JUCOs, and just do it as kind of like a matchmaking event. Mm -hmm. um, and then a few years later, you know, at first, the first few years of that, I was just raising money online, friends, family, Facebook fundraisers. But then Evan Turner came through, heard about what we were doing, and he blessed us. Mm -hmm. He said, Dan, I don't want anybody to ever pay for this event again. It's gonna be free, you know, give me the bill. So it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 from that point on, it just grew and grew because we really had the resources to make it great. And um, last year we couldn't have it because of COVID, but the previous year there was um, 270 players participated, all seniors from Chicago, mm -hmm. um, that that you know mostly didn't have any offers at the time of the event. We had 130 college coaches last year. And over 50 kids ended up accepting mm -hmm. offers from schools that were at the event. So Crazy. it's a you know pretty cool thing to say. All right, we were able to turn maybe a budget of fifty thousand dollars into five million in scholarships. You know, it's almost like alchemy. It's like you, you turn a little something into something big. And for me, becoming an agent, it was important to me that I didn't abandon that mission and say, all right, I'm going to go make millions with the superstars and abandon the guys who will never be pros. I feel like it's almost my obligation, my responsibility as an NBA agent, making money with the top players from Chicago, that we do reinvest some of that money, that we do invest some of those resources in that platform into the kids that won't be pros. It's only right. You can't go and make millions and then hoard it for yourself. 
you know, if you're, and that's what Evan Turner did. Evan got that $70 million contract from the, the Blazers. He said, yeah. all right, let me use some of this money to bless the kids who are never going to see money like that. But all right, they could get a free education. Mm. So I feel like that's what it's all about. And that's why that mission is still so important to me, even now that I've kind of moved on in, in my career. Love it, love it, and that's that's another great um, transition into the next question. Um, again, like thank we we appreciate everything you're doing for the city and have done for so long. Uh, but now that you've co-founded, you know, Beyond Athlete Management, congrats again on the success, you know, in this oh, past definitely. draft and, and off season. Uh, but I know that hasn't always been, you know, your north star. You haven't always had your, your sights set on being an agent. Yeah. Uh, was there a specific event that occurred that helped you to realize that you should actually give athlete representation a shot? Honestly. I resisted this route for a long time. When I was growing up in the business, I got exposed to a lot of agents and a lot of them were people that I didn't respect or admire and I didn't want to be like them. You know, I saw all the stereotypes of an agent that you might see on TV, you know, like fancy cars and, you know, it was all about the money. And yeah. I, I was that wasn't me. I was about the community. I was running a nonprofit. And I was I was thinking I was just going to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it was kind of a series of events that pushed me into it was a, a lot of players that I came up with would finish college and reach out to me and ask me for help with their pro career. So I got to see, okay, guys trust me and are asking me for this help. And I'm maybe introducing them to different agents that I know, but if I don't have an agent in my circle that I really trust that is doing it the right way, and I'm not willing to take that step myself, then I'm doing a disservice to my community. If I feel like, our top athletes from our city need the proper representation that are going to guide their lives and careers the right way. It's only right that I step up and do it. But it was a long time that I resisted it. People were telling me I should have been an agent from the time I was in high school. I never wanted to do it. If I knew back then that I was going to do this, I would have done it a whole different way. Um, but, you know, everything happens for a reason. So I got certified when I was about 24, 25 years old. And uh, here I am now, you know, co-founded Beyond Athlete Management about three years ago and we're having yep. great success, but, um, yep. but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't really one moment. It was kind of uh, years of resistance that, that I kind of fell into it. Yeah. Gosh, gosh. I was telling Bryce off air too. The last time I had seen you was uh, the, the drive lottery. And I, I told him like, man, DP's an agent. Now I was like, that's crazy. Like I wasn't surprised at all, but it's just kind of, you know, fit like, like it fit you, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it was bound to happen. You know what I'm saying? just the type of person you are. So I wasn't surprised yeah. at all. Yeah, it's funny. Like once I started doing it, once I, I, I got my first few clients, I was like, oh shit, like this is natural. Like I've been doing this for a decade. Yeah. Exactly what I've been training for and didn't realize I was training for. Like, and some people could graduate law school and read the collective bargaining agreement and <laughs> learn the salaries and in the, in, in the, in the rosters and try and be an agent. But it's like, I went to agent school for 10 years before I, got my first client so it, for me it's very intuitive and um just natural and uh it's it's yeah i mean i've been doing this for half my life i'm 29 started out 14 right. so it's just i think a lot of people had that same reaction as you jaron where they're like yeah. oh this is what you should have been doing this makes yeah. sense and yeah. uh yeah not to say that it's been easy i'm still learning you know lessons along the way and mm -hmm. i've got other good agents at my company who are more experienced than me who can make sure i'm not making any mistakes and you know, check my work and, and work mm -hmm. alongside me. But, you know, for the most part, it's been uh, pretty, pretty natural for me to make that transition. Right. 
And uh, you broke into the sports industry, like we said, in an unconventional way. Uh, but do you have any advice for young professionals or, you know, college students um, on how they can get, you know, their first start in the sports, in the sports industry? Um, I would say a few things. Um, a, the advice I would have for college students in general, whether you want to get into sports or anything else, is read. Read books. Read a lot of books. Um, for me, one constant, one reason why I was comfortable not going to college because I made a commitment to myself. All right, if I'm not going to be educated the traditional way, I still need to be educated. I need to mm -hmm. read. I need to always be learning, always be learning. So for me, um, reading a lot is is, is something that, um, yeah, that I, I credit to any of my successes. If I ever need answers or guidance, I can always fall back on books. And doesn't have to be self-help. Doesn't have to be business books. That you could just read nonfiction. You could read what books you connect with, you like that that something that draws you in. Read what you like to read, but read and read a lot. Um, and I think that you'll always find the answers you need in in, in books. Um, next step I would say is um, find ways to be self-starters and provide value, like you guys. We got out of college. All right, we're going to start a podcast. Things come together. You're on the Rising Coaches platform. That's an extremely credible platform that's pushing you because you guys decided that you were going to go out and, and, and do do it. You didn't wait for someone to hand it over to you. You went out and did it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's another thing is I get a lot of emails from people. Hey, can I have a job? Can I have an internship? But a lot of times I'll pay more attention when people say, hey, I have this to offer. Here's a specific skill I'll do for free. I have one intern. I'll tell you a story. I have one intern who was a video coordinator for or a, or a team manager for a division one school handling all the video stuff. And he reached out to me and said, Hey Dan, I'm a expert at synergy, which is a video platform. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if you need anybody chopping up synergy for your clients, I'll do it for free. Mm -hmm. Let me Bet I used him after every game. I mean, last mm -hmm. night he chopped up, you know, the rockets and the Kings games for me and we sent it. Mm -hmm. to well, an NBA GM asked me, a few, a few weeks ago, if I had any recommendations for a good intern, I, I recommended him. And now he has a, an internship with an NBA team because he was willing to work and provide a skill that I needed. Mm. And, and he was on time. He was reliable. Um, everything I asked for, if he had to stay up till 3 a.m., he provided it for me on time and, and never complained. And I, he was the first one that came to mind when the NBA team asked me. So I guess that's a lot, but that, that that would be my advice for anyone trying to get into sports. For sure. I mean, that's, that's great advice, continuously learning and, and looking at value. Uh, I don't think you can lose with that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, preseason has just started. And actually, Tyrell Terry, I, I wasn't going to mention this before, but he gave us the easiest 20-point double-double last year as a freshman. Super embarrassing, but, uh, you know, preseason just started. Um, obviously, it's a quick turnaround for, for everyone involved with the league. Uh, but what does what your day-to-day -day look like as – an agent in previous seasons and then how has that changed now that we're, you know, in a pandemic and uh, of course things look different now. Um, you know, this season's a lot different, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, I was just with one of my clients talking like it's, it's, you know, the season's condensed, it's on, game on, off day, game on, off day. The whole world's different. Basketball's no different. Like, yeah, there are some different challenges we've had to go through. The pre-draft off season period for our rookies was eight months instead of three. Yeah. Um, there was no summer league training camp. Mm -hmm. So many different things about the way that this season is going. Um, you know, the draft, you know, when you talk about Tyrell Terry, for him, it was probably tough on him. The draft got pushed back four times. So psychologically, you think you're working towards a date 
And then mm-hmm. they tell you it's another month, another month, another month. But we we still work in basketball and it's still a blessing. And our industry has not been hit as hard as other the restaurant industry, the bar industry. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so so I think where we're at in the world right now, everybody's adjusting. Everybody's trying to figure out what's next and what the future holds, and none of us know. Um, and all we can do is kind of as agents is make sure our players are safe and healthy, you know, um, and, and adapt as, as best we can to, to, you know, whatever the world, whatever happens in the world and, and uh, you know, try to make the most of it. Mm. Yeah. But uh, before we go, man, is there, is there a quote or a mantra that you live by that you would, you know, like to share with the listeners? Oh man, it's funny. Um, I was just thinking about this before I got on, like when I get to talk, like one of my favorite parts of my job is that I get access to a lot of college coaches and pro coaches and the wisdom that they have. These are people that pay $10,000 for a speech from these guys and I get to have conversations. So I always ask them, do you have one piece of wisdom? Do you have one piece of advice? And I like to write it down. I don't know what mine would be though. Um, (laughs) I guess, uh, Here's one. Here's a funny one. I have I have one thing I like to tell NBA players that I won't say who this came from, but this is an NBA OG who played 20 years in the league, and it's one of those guys who, who looks the same when he retires than he got in the league. And uh, he always tells young players in the league um, his advice for longevity is: stick with one woman, don't smoke too much weed, drink a lot of water, and get to bed by 10 o'clock. If you do those things, you're gonna stick in the league. And I think that applies to everybody. You know, maybe different aspects of it, but just kind of like get to bed early. You know, don't don't party too hard and go crazy. Drink a lot of water and read a lot of books, and uh, things will probably work out for you. Yeah, little things, little things, definitely, man. But um, again, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we want to be mindful of your time again. I know that you still have a few obligations. I'm yeah, um, yeah. always on a, on, a, on a call as an agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you again for joining us. This is great. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, I had a great time, man. This is this is again really cool for me to see you too. And I was tracking both of your college careers. I was hoping I could have could have put up some bigger numbers. Could have uh, signed. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, when I saw Ty, Ty, you know, kill William and Mary, I was I was I had, knew I needed him. But you know what? Everything, <laughs> everything happens for a reason. Right. You're in. I'm really excited for you guys and your career and excited to be one of your first guests. Happy to come on again anytime and uh, continue you know, growing with you guys and following your journey. So um, thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, this was fun. Of course. Well, of course. Thanks, Happy DP. Holidays. Appreciate you, man.